You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox. Appreciate you joining me on a Wednesday, July 14th. And today is uh, Big 12 Media Day. Today starts Big 12 Media Day, so I'll also have a session on Thursday. But today is the day that TCU will speak. So I'll have that audio, some of that Gary Patterson audio for you, available on Thursday in the podcast. Uh, but today I wanted to talk about football in this first segment. I know that GP is not exactly the most forthcoming guy when it comes to media availability and some people just kind of scoff at media days because it's going to be a lot of company lines. I do think, though, that there's some interesting things that could come out. It's the first time we've really heard from him in a while. We heard from him a few times during spring practice. Myself and Matt Mosley got a chance to catch up with him a couple weeks ago. But it's been pretty quiet around the TCU program, as it usually is, and that's obviously intentional. Uh, and, and I was thinking today, like, what's the big burning question about TCU football that's going to be asked? And it's always intriguing to see what some of the national media or regional media who are not on the beat all the time, what they kind of focus in on or hone in on. And if I was coming up with one burning question, I don't really think this team has a big time position battle. There's a lot of stability there. I mean, we, we kind of know who's going to be at wide receiver with the exception of maybe Quincy Brown, who's someone that Gary's brought up a couple times here lately. Uh, we know who the quarterback's going to be. We have a pretty good idea of who the top running back is and who would be immediately behind him. Offensive line, there's some questions there, but I think Steve Avila and Albina Ezzi are the two kind of stalwart bookends for that group. And then it, it's really just who sort of fills out around those two guys. And on defense, you're replacing some fantastic production at safety, but there's a lot of candidates there. So, in my mind, the big question, and unfortunately, I'm not sure we'll get a great answer uh, today or tomorrow, is what does this offense really look like? You have Doug Meacham, you have Jerry Kill, Sonny Cumbie left, and we talked about this at length last year. The offense really didn't have an identity. They were running some air raid concepts, they were running some very old school, almost like two backs in the backfield, downhill running style concepts. Now, I think towards the end of the season, the Oklahoma State game might be the best example. We saw an identity start to get formed. They want to run the ball, power run game, downhill, and then off that, go to some you know deep passing concepts, especially to a guy like Quentin Johnson on the outside. Saw some of that against Louisiana Tech, and that's one of the reasons why it was a big bummer that they didn't play Arkansas in the Texas Bowl, because that would have been another opportunity to see the team, see the offense, what kind of base plays were they running, what kind of formations are they coming out in against an SEC opponent. Doug Meacham's obviously like an old-school air raid dude. That's not what they ran exclusively in 2020. Now with the full offseason, now with Max Duggan getting more used to whatever it is that they're trying to preach there, what are some of the core concepts of this offense? Because there's a lot of playmakers. 
there's a bunch of dudes with promise. How are you going to put them in situations to succeed? How are you going to get the ball to guys in space? Because as great as Quentin Johnson was at times, you know, there was a three or four week stretch where he wasn't even really touching the ball. Zach Evans kind of came into the program late. Are they going to get him more involved in the passing game this year? They've stockpiled some tight ends. I actually added someone today, or added someone a while back. It sort of leaked out today. What does that mean for the team? What does that mean for TCU football? What, what kind of identity are they trying to establish on offense? So to me, that's the big burning question. And I don't know if Gary will get asked about it. I think he'll probably get a question about play calling. He's a defensive guy, so I can't imagine he's going to go too in-depth on it. We'll also get to hear from Max Duggan and O'Shawn Mathis. And if I can track down that audio, I'll try to bring it to the table as well on Thursday or Friday. Uh, you know, Max has done some post-game media availability. I think he spoke last year after the Oklahoma State game with, I believe it was Chris Budden who was doing sidelines. And other than that, though, we haven't really heard him talk. So I, I'm just interested in hearing what he has to say, what his, you know, kind of command level in front of the media is like. Usually they do these breakout sessions where it's sort of a scrum and they get asked a lot of questions. Not sure if that'll change with COVID. O'Shawn Mathis will also speak, and he's another guy that hasn't talked a whole lot in his career. I'm sure they'll, I mean, they're TCU football players, and Max is the coach's son. So I think to a certain extent, they're going to have a narrative that they'll stick to, but it will be nice to hear from those players as we barrel towards football season. Um, so media days today, we'll sort of unpack that tomorrow. And I think the big question is, what does this team look like on offense? Also, it came out today that uh, Jacarius Spivey, I believe that's how you say his name. He's a tight end from Mississippi State. Uh, last season, he had 11 receptions for 121 yards, 11 yards per catch. Had a nice game against Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. He's a grad transfer. He's going to come into TCU um, and play this upcoming season. He's got some immediate eligibility. He is big at 6'5", 240 pounds, and originally from Monroe, Louisiana. Experienced player, big frame, someone that you would expect to help blocking in the run game and also popping out and catching the occasional pass. You know, they're replacing Artavius Landon Pro-Wells, who I think were two guys that were underused in the last few seasons. Pro had some opportunities that he missed on, unfortunately, but I think overall neither of those guys got the ball a whole lot or as much as we would like to see. So another big body in the middle of the field can also block. It's a nice addition, some depth. Um, I think it's a good call by the TCU coaching staff bringing him in here. And we'll see what he does moving forward. Coming up next, uh, I'll try to recap some of the things that are happening with TCU baseball. MLB draft has been going on the last few days. What does that mean for the Frogs? Before we do that, though, I do want to tell you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a great website. It's a family-owned company that's exploded now, and it's a big national brand as well. One of the things that's great about Rock Auto and it's a really good website for people like me who don't know much of anything about cars, but it's also a really good resource and place for folks who do their own work or mechanics. Um, it's easy to use. You can go there. You can compare prices. You can compare manufacturers. You're not going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel like, hey, I made a good choice. I at least have the parts I need. Now there I can install it, do the next part. That's another situation. That's another scenario. But I at least have the confidence that I have the right 
part for my maker model, my vehicle, that's going to improve the quality of my car. RockAuto.com, they have a drop down menu. Click on that when you get to the website. Tell them that you heard about them from the Locked On Podcast Network. That helps us support the people that support the show. Again, that's RockAuto.com. Back here on Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Steven Simcox. Okay, so let's talk some TCU baseball. MLB draft has been going on the last few days, and the Frogs had six players that were drafted. In round two, Russell Smith went to the Milwaukee Brewers, 51st pick overall. Really happy for Russ. Uh, He was, in my mind, the most consistent pitcher all year long for TCU. Had a rough stretch. You know, they gave him that break during the Kansas series, and then I, I felt like he really struggled to get back to form. We did see him, though, recover nicely and have a quality start against Texas Tech. And he battled pretty hard against DBU in that regional. Uh, I'm not sure what his ceiling is in Major League Baseball. Huge guy. Doesn't have as electric of uh, stuff as you would think. Or I guess the velocity is just not up there as much as you would think for someone his size. But he can get in the low 90s. And he struck out a lot of batters this season. So hopefully it works out for him. Um, I think he was probably gone either way. I believe Russ graduated. But the fact that he went in the second round, uh, you know, obviously he's gone. Best of luck to you. He had a great career at TCU and was really a fantastic piece after missing some time due to Tommy John surgery. Also picked by the Chicago White Sox with the 365th pick, Johnny Ray. I'm not surprised Johnny Ray got selected. I'm not shocked that someone took a flyer on him. He has great stuff. I mean, he's throwing in the mid-90s. He can get up into the high 90s, uh, has some nasty off-speed pitches. But, I mean, you talk about a guy that just completely lost his confidence. After that disaster against Texas, they take him out of the rotation. They try to put him in the bullpen against Louisiana Monroe. He gets touched up. That doesn't work. And then the last time we saw him was against Kansas State. He started that game where if TCU won, they would have won the Big 12 title outright. And he could not record an out. I mean, did not get an out. Chuck King had to come in and go eight innings, and we all know how that game ended. But, I mean, just the the confidence was completely gone. Did not have command when he was getting the ball in the zone. It was getting hit out of the ballpark. Uh, I hope it works out for Johnny. But I was surprised that he went that high. Major League Baseball draft, though, it's just it's tough to predict. Phillip Sykes was selected by the Boston Red Sox. Phillip had a great year. At one point, he was hitting like 380. That slowly started to level out and come down, but he was still a huge part of the TCU lineup, Um, and he's going to get a chance at the big league level, or at least at the minor league level. He was selected in the 18th round. A couple of other interesting picks. Harrison Bethy was selected in the 18th round by Kansas City. Um, Did not make a bunch of appearances this year. I remember him coming in on a Tuesday night game, and then he actually closed out the game against McNeese State. But, I mean, he throws in the high 90s. I think in that Tuesday night game where he came out of the bullpen, he got the he got up over 101. So, I understand, again, why teams would look at his potential and say, yeah, that's a guy we have to go get. Just didn't have much command. But I guess Kansas City is just intrigued, obviously, by, you know, what he can do and that velocity that he can unload on the mound. Halen Green um, was selected by the White Sox as well. And super excited for Halen. Hope it, it's a, a good fit for him. Was a nails, you know, closer all year long for TCU. 
fantastic out of the bullpen, and uh, hopefully he can get a chance at the next level with the White Sox. And then Marcelo Perez was also picked um, by the Angels, I believe. Let me check out here. Um, yeah, by the Angels. So Perez goes um, as well. And Marcelo was a, a player that really seemed to come into his own as the, as the season went on. He had COVID early in the year, or was at least out due to COVID protocols, came back, wasn't super sharp, but became one of the more reliable relievers on the roster towards the end of the season. Um, Kendall Rogers said on Twitter, for what it's worth, he thinks Marcelo Perez will be back. He was drafted late, late in the draft, so he feels like he'll come back and try to get his stock up for next season. Another big deal from the past few days, Austin Crowe was not selected. Um, and Crowe was another guy that struggled with some consistency. But the last time we saw him against McNeese State, he was fantastic. Um, went eight innings, really shut down that lineup, gave up two runs early in that game, and then was just great, which was lights out after that. And that was a, I think that was a really good example of mental toughness because McNeese State went up 2 nothing. Braden Taylor hits a bomb in the bottom of the first to cut it to two to one. And then it was two to one up until the seventh inning, I believe. So, I mean, it was just inning after inning where TCU could not find a way to tie that game or take the lead. And it would have been easy for Austin Crowe to just be like, well, okay, this is not our night. This is going to be an embarrassing loss, meltdown, and start giving up some runs. But he didn't do that. I mean, he was huge all night long, worked his way out of a few jams, and struck out a bunch of batters uh, that night at Lupton. So Austin Krobe is your number one starter next year. I think it's a really good scenario for TCU. And then a combination of some of those young guys, I feel like can make a really good rotation uh, for 2022 and TCU baseball. So some exciting news. I think the main takeaways, uh, big day for guys like Russ, Russell Smith who are going to go on and have a chance to have fantastic careers outside of a TCU uniform. And then Austin Crowe and Marcelo Perez possibly back next year. I think expected to be back next year, uh, which are big additions for Kirk Sarlous and his TCU baseball club as they uh, hit the offseason and get ready for the upcoming fall. Um, I haven't seen as many guys that are playing, you know, summer league this season. I don't know if that's still uh, tempered down because of COVID or what. But anyway, um, exciting news on the TCU baseball front with the MLB draft and some of the guys that could be returning. When we, keep, when we come back, excuse me, we'll wrap things up. I did want to tell you about Built Bar, though. One of my good friends, Matt Cookson, he texted me the other day and said, hey, I could go for a, a delicious protein bar. I'd love to try the, the best on the planet. Um, and, you know, I say that sort of jokingly, but in reality, Built Bar is a great product. And I, I love their protein bars. I eat them frequently. I eat them for breakfast a lot, for snacks. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. Again, that's LOCKEDON15. And get a little discount on your first order or your next order. Built Bar has some wonderful flavors like German chocolate and peanut butter. BuiltBar.com. Give it a try today. Also, if you're interested in making money, check out BetOnline.ag. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He's been doing the Vegas scene for years. He runs it, and he's the one. That gives you everything you need to know about Major League Baseball, the NBA, NBA Finals. Another game on Wednesday, big game four between the Suns and the Bucks. Can the Bucks tie this thing up? Lee Sterling will have all that information for you at betonline.ag. Okay, closing up shop here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. 
Appreciate you joining me tomorrow. I will have some Gary Patterson audio for you as uh, they attack media days. Media days for me is like the unofficial start of football season. We're getting closer, friends. Our long wait is almost over. That'll be tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.